What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. As always, if you haven't already liked or subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Give us a like, follow us, and uh, everything you do helps us to continue to reach people with the Word of God. So we love you guys. I hope you enjoy this podcast today. God bless you. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to VCast. We are starting a brand new series today called Ephesians, and we are answering the question, who do you think you are? And so this week, um, we're going to be starting off talking about the topic, I am in Christ. And so um, we're going to read some scriptures and just talk about the book of Ephesians. So, Jacob, why don't you start us off today and talk about what is this book about? Um, Well, the book of Ephesians... Um, when Paul writes, it seems to focus on the identity of the people in Ephesus. And for us, it focuses on our identity and who we are in Christ, which is why we're starting off the book with I am in Christ. Um, so the background of Ephesians is that unlike most of the New Testament letters that are meant to address questions in the church, Ephesians was written to address new Christians who are being tempted to go back to their former lives. Hmm. So Paul is here writing to sort of, I guess, not necessarily reassure, but affirm their identity, their new identity in Christ. And that's kind of the the reason why he writes this letter. Um, Right, because their identity, um, before coming to Christ, you find your identity in basically the culture that you're raised in. Yeah. Um, that's like a common question that I see a lot of people asking is like, what about the people who are not raised into Christianity? You know what I mean? Are they at some kind of disadvantage because they weren't raised into Christianity, whereas we kind of are? Um, back in the church over there, they had a ton of people that were not raised in Christianity. They didn't understand, well, not Christianity, but Judaism. They didn't understand um, the Bible and things like that. And so it's writing to these new Christians and telling them, um, hey, look, your identity, that those things you used to do are no longer a part of who you are today and whom who God defines you as. And so it's letting go of kind of that old identity and embracing the new identity that's found in Jesus. So Yeah, and, and this wasn't um, a letter specifically for Ephesus, although it was written to them, though. Um, this is a, a letter that Paul wanted all Christians to hear. And Ephesus, unlike most of the other churches, Ephesus was the head, headquarter for Christian truth. It was sort of like, um, what's that word? It would like branch out its teachings into right. other churches as well. So what Paul was writing to them, he most likely wanted them to spread out as well, mm-hmm. which is why Ephesus was the perfect place to write this too. Yeah. So they could bring that knowledge to other churches because that's what they did. Right. And it's it's so important, too, because the book of Ephesians is actually one of the most fleshed out books in the in the whole Bible. Not just not the book of Ephesians, but the church of Ephesus, um, because the, a, a lot of letters were written to the church in Ephesus. They're mentioned in the book of Revelation. You have the book of Ephesians, but also the person who was running the church in Ephesians was Timothy. And he wrote first and second Timothy, which was a letter to Timothy and to the leadership of the church in Ephesus. So it's really interesting to see how there are multiple books in the Bible that are actually written to this church. 
Um, and the reason being is because this church is one of the most vital and important churches. Just like you said, it's the center for information and spreading that information. Church, uh, the, the church of Ephesus or the city of Ephesus was a lot like New York City. They even had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, which is this gigantic statue of Artemis um, that people would travel across the sea just to see this thing. Yeah. It was a major port city, a lot of commerce, a lot of trading, a lot of stuff going on. And so knowing all of that information, it helps us as we read through this to know it's like, man, um, imagine what it's like living in New York and all of the crazy, amazing, beautiful things that are out there and ways you can get lost. And um, and he's writing to this, this church. So it's important to kind of know some of that background information. Yeah, definitely. And um, another thing that's important to know is that most uh, like most of the places that Paul went and visited, um, Paul was also not well liked by the people in Ephesus either. Oh, yeah. He was run out of town, <laughs> rioted against and yeah. thrown in prison. Right. Not only here, but almost everywhere that he went. Right. Um, this place specifically, though. So what we want to focus on with this new series is what kind of information was Paul spreading? Right. That caused him to be run out of town. Exactly. Yeah, because it, it, it takes place in Acts 19. And in Acts 19 is where you actually see uh, Paul in, in Ephesus. And um, he actually begins to preach and teach people about Jesus. And it's this teaching that was so dangerous because it threatened their way of life. Um, there were some blacksmiths that lived out there and they made these tiny little statues of Artemis. Kind of like when you go to New York and you can buy like miniature statues of Liberty and you're like, I got a statue of Liberty from New York. Oh my gosh. Um, as like a little souvenir, they used to sell them like little statues of Artemis. And Paul had preached the gospel and made people believe in Jesus to the point where they stopped buying those statues. Um, people that practiced witchcraft and magic, like a lot of that stuff, people were getting rid of it and turning to Christ. So the information that was being spread was the gospel. And um, we see that kind of in the in the in the opening of Ephesians. Right. You see the phrase in Christ um, and uh, there are you know, different variations of it, you know, like in him and in Christ and in, in, in God. Um, and we see this 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 appears nine times in the intro to ephesians chapter 1 1 through 14 we see it nine times but if you even look at just uh paul as a whole this was something that paul taught uh like a lot throughout all of his books not just in the book of ephesians this is a a key concept to paul because it's just that important yeah um just like you were saying the it was so important for paul to teach this to christians because he himself knew what it meant to be made new. Mm, yeah, um, completely important to him. I know that throughout this entire podcast, we have talked about Paul, obviously, because he's he's one of, uh, like, you have Jesus, and then the next biggest key figure in Christianity would be Paul himself. So we talk about Paul a lot, and we talk about his backstory, and, you know, who he was before he met Christ. So in his letters, we see how important it is, because that phrase in Christ and all the variations of it appear 216 times in all of his letters. The phrase in him, in Christ, in Jesus. Um, he focuses so much on this because it's so important to him. Right. And he wants to make sure that other Christians can understand who they are in Christ. Right. Um, it's in completely um, something that he, his whole life was focused on when writing letters to churches and to people. Um, and he even writes in Romans five seventeen, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness 
reign and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. he's saying through one man, Adam, right. you were made sinners, mm-hmm. right? This is who you were. Right. But because of the grace and the free gift of God, you have now been made alive and you are now righteous in Christ. Right. That is the identity shift that Paul is focusing on. We were once sinners, foreigners to God. Even when we were his people, even even when we were Jewish people, we were still separated from him. But because of his grace and his love for us, the free gift of Jesus Christ brings us righteousness. Right. And we now have a new identity in him. Right, because our identity was found in Adam. Um, our original identity is, is in Adam. That's why the Bible... Uh, refers to Jesus as the second Adam or the last Adam. It's the understanding that that Jesus was that representative figure. As a matter of fact, if you look at Adam and Jesus, there's so many similarities between the two of them. They were both a representation of a people. They both made a choice at a tree um, in a garden <laughs> that that would literally change the course of history. Um, and for everybody who finds their identity in Adam, you find that you are a sinful uh, person, but when you find your identity in Christ, He redefines who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked um, this understanding because there's a really common question that I used to get from a lot of the young people as they were growing up in their faith, and they would say, and it was funny too because it was just kind of like I don't know if it was like a, a desperate attempt to reach at like you know um, justifying yourself, but a lot of young people would ask me the question, "How is it fair that because one guy?" made a bad decision now all of us have to deal with sin and i used to love that question too because um the question would say well this one guy made a decision and now i have to suffer the repercussions of it and it's like well yeah but if you don't agree with that then you don't agree with the gospel because the gospel is that one man made a decision and spread righteousness to everyone Mm -hmm. so if you don't like the concept of adam it's Adam's sins being applied into your account, then you also have a problem with Jesus's righteousness being accredited into your account. And so it's so important to understand, it's like, I found my identity in Adam when I was in sin, but now that, I've, that I'm in Christ, I now have a new identity and mm-hmm. he gets to define who I am. Yeah, and in that phrase, in Christ, perfectly describes our relationship with Jesus. It is a perfect, I, I guess, way of saying it because it is in Christ we have eternal life. It is in Christ we find our purpose. It is in Christ that we find our identity and it is in him we find everything that we need. Mm -hmm. So that phrase, in him, in Christ, is a perfect way to phrase our relationship with him Mm because everything we need is found in him. In him, which is why Ephesians 1, uh, 1, 1 through 14 is just like, in him we have the redemption in him we are have been adopted as children there's so many key concepts within christianity and we have to understand that everything that we need it's found in him he's the prize um i think another critical question to ask christians is um if you went to heaven and you had everything you wanted would you even care if jesus was there like is is heaven your prize or is jesus your prize i think that's a super super revealing question of the position of your heart at this very moment if you ask yourself that question do i want to go to heaven because i want to see my relatives or do i want to go to heaven because i want to see jesus jesus is the prize and it's only in him that we find our identity exactly and we've been given uh, a new identity right Mm -hmm. it's not the same one that we once had that we find in him Mm -hmm. right when we find our identity in christ it's a new identity um we were once sinful people we were wicked 
and we rebelled against God. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 4:20 through 24, that's not how you learned Christ, though. Right. right. It wasn't that you went back to your old self. You didn't learn Christ this way. Assuming that you have assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, mm-hmm. which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So how we learned Jesus was a new identity. Yeah, That's how we learned him and that's how we should accept him. Not someone who's coming to fix um, what's wrong with the old us, yeah. But to create a completely new person. Right. Right. We were once slaves to wickedness, ignorant and even hard in our hearts against God. Mm-hmm. But all of that was our former identity. Right. That's not that's not who we are anymore. Mm-hmm. And and that's tough too, because we're sinful people. Like at the end of the day, we still sin, even though we're in Christ. It's like we're still struggling with sin. We still struggle with wickedness and rebellion. But in Christ, you now have that option to turn away from that when they're before, you know, like if you were to go to a bar and talk to somebody that's at a bar just getting drunk and try to convince him that what he's doing is wrong, he's going to say, no, I enjoy what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with it. But when you come to Christ, all of a sudden now that becomes an option that becomes not my nature or something that I desire, but rather my my see that there's a war going on in my spirit that's going against this. Um, We're just imperfect people, but there and and before Christ, it's like we were trying to meet a standard that we couldn't achieve. You know what I mean? Um, like a lot of baby Christians, when they first come to Jesus, I think a lot of us can identify with that as well. When we first came to Christ, it almost felt impossible. And, and it's not until you understand grace that you start to realize, oh, wow, man, I was really trying to earn my salvation for a very long time. And I, I really made a mess of, um, of myself. Um, but, um, but thanks be to God through Christ who met that standard for us. Um, I, I always tell this example of college. Um, like I went to college and um, I, I, I had 83, deg- I had 83 credits. You need 60 to graduate. I had 83, but no degree. And um, people were like, how is that even possible? And I told them it's because there's a standard for my degree. There are certain classes that I have to take. I can have 83 random credits in college and still not have a degree because my my credits don't line up with the standard of that which was over me. And that standard for God is perfection. And so I can see how oftentimes we can um, really fail to hit that mark because it's like, I'll never be able to hit that. You know, I'll never be able to reach that that standard that God has set. So, yeah. But um, the, the good thing that Paul is affirming the new Christians in is that we ourselves no longer need to meet that standard. Now, as right. Christians, there's still a standard for us to meet. Right. There's still a lot that is commanded of us. But when it comes to this idea of meeting perfection, it's not something that's hung over our head anymore. Um, we can choose to put our faith in Christ and no longer live in rebellion towards him. Our hearts have been softened and our minds enlightened with the truth that is Jesus Christ. So our former selves have passed away and we have become born again in Christ. Mm. That is the the greatness of the gospel, that I have been made completely new Mm -hmm. in Christ. And I no longer have to worry about that standard anymore. But his standard, his perfection and his works have been applied to me. And that's who I am now. Yeah, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me.
Thank you guys for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. If you did, don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with as many people as you know so we can get the word of God out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode.